Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. We took a nice week off. I was on vacation. You were you were partially on vacation as well, but uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, a uh, little. Um, I mean, I don't know if you if you could call it an IL stint. Uh, I mean, it's been it was day to day. Yeah, it was day to day for I think nine about nine days. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, letting the letting the baseball world do its thing, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, you know we. You, and we did we did a we did a long trade deadline episode so we, did. we felt we felt like you know this is that's fine that's fine for for about a week you know let it let it uh let it marinate but yeah you know there's been uh, plenty that's gone on in the baseball world actually we we didn't talk about it before the show but I think we should address the uh Fernando Tatis Jr injury that happened like immediately after we record like almost immediately after we yeah, recorded it was last. A, it was a shoulder, right? Yeah, same injury that put him on the IL uh, earlier in the season that ended that didn't end up being too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it's kind of alarming. It feels to me, and I don't think this is going to happen immediately, but it feels to me like this, like this part of his shoulder is just going to keep popping out until he gets it surgically repaired, which I feel like that might be an off-season thing. I don't think they want to shut him down for the season if they don't have to right now. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the day after the season ends for the Padres, we get the Fernando Tatis Jr. underwent sh- shoulder surgery today. Like, update. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a November, you know, late October, if they don't make it that far type thing. Yeah. Where, yeah, like, things like that happen all the time. So I, I think that would be, yeah, an off-season thing. Yeah, so I mean, I think, uh, I don't know how much, well, I don't know when he's, is, does he have a timetable for return right now? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I but, don't think so either, but I'll check. On CBS uh, the Sports. The Padres are only like two and a half games up on the Reds for the second wild card spot. So they, I mean, it is a lot closer than, than most people would realize. Yeah, so you could definitely use. Yeah, no timetable for return. Yeah, and like the it's not very promising out there on CBS Sports. It says injured Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. says he'll play again this season. So that's very vague. Uh, if you're saying like you'll play by the end of the season, it's probably not going to be in the next month. So, I mean, the <laughs> it's funny. And we'll probably get into it later, but like every perennial NL MVP candidate is just yeah taking the dive. Acuna, yeah, Tati, Degrom. Degrom. 
those those three like could have been the, the three finalists at the end of the first half, and now none of them are gonna realistically be there. Um, we still haven't seen Fernando Tatis Jr. play a full season, which is a bit. I mean, it's frustrating, no doubt, but you know things happen, and I I hope he can get the surgery in the off season that he needs and be come back strong next year. You know, even if he's going to come back this year, you know, he's probably not going to be 100%. He's probably going to be playing slightly injured for the remainder of this season. Yeah. yeah and I mean, realistically, like, even with Tatis, it is somewhat difficult to imagine. I mean, I guess this isn't correct to say, but it feels like the way it's going right now, it feels like the Padres are either going to be the second wild card or they're just going to miss the playoffs. It's hard to imagine they're going to catch the the Giants or the Dodgers just because the Dodgers, they obviously made some key additions, Max Serger, Trey Turner. Uh, They also, they're seven and a half back of the Giants. So, you know, it is hard to see them finishing in the top two in the division right now. So, you know, as long as you can get them back for the, for the wild card game and then beyond that, you know, you're kind of having the same thing as long as they make the playoffs, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a thing where, you know, that's a guy you want to watch every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a guy you want to see a, a full season out of like you, uh, like you bring up. That was kind of, um, that was kind of the thing, I guess people were talking about in terms of being hesitant about uh, getting him that 14 uh, year deal. Uh, we're like, you know, we haven't seen him for a full season, but uh, health was only really an issue in, 2019 i forget what the injury was this seems to be kind of a freak thing it's like a uh, i forget what they're calling it like a sublet sub subliminal a sublate sublation i think is the word like i i gotta let me look up fernando tatis jr sublation uh so subluxation has been placed on the 10-day injured list with a shoulder subluxation after leaving friday's game falling a slide into third base so yeah it's like a you know he he's uh he's got like a shoulder thing where it's popping in and out i don't know how you solve that uh but you know long term if he's solved if if they're able to solve it that shouldn't be a, a recurring thing it's not like a pitcher's elbow or something but yeah uh yeah uh yeah i it's uh, it's pretty tough, pretty tough that this is how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of hope to have him come playoff time. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but I guess that's the Fernando Tatis Jr. news. Um, he was, you know, after after the Degrom injury and his setbacks. He was gonna. He was probably the front runner for MVP. Now he's out of it. Now it's it's pretty much anyone's game. You um, could probably make the easy case that the MVP and the Cy Young in the National League are on the same team. Yeah, and not even the same player. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, you could very you could very well make the case given uh, the injuries have that have occurred now. Uh, you can easily make the case for couple guys on uh the leader the new leaders of the national league east uh were there are there any more i don't think there were any more major injuries going on uh no 
in the baseball world. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, there was the DeGrom setback, but that happened a while ago. And I think he's probably going to be set to throw pretty soon because uh, that setback was announced like over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we've talked plenty about the DeGrom injury thing. Uh, Luis uh, Roberts coming back to the White Sox today. That is that is nice to see. Yeah, the White Sox are kind of back at full health for the most part. Let me see. Who do they still have on the on the shelf? They still okay, Grandal. Grandal they still have. Uh, and then Evan Marshall. That's about it for Evan Marshall. Yeah, that's about it for people they and obviously Robert, but he's coming back today. I was so confident in Evan Marshall before the season. I was yeah. like, this guy and his curveball are going to take over the bullpen. <laughs> and well, you man, can't hit on all of them. Yeah. For me, I couldn't hit on about 70% of them. <laughs> they, it was just not good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, – I guess there's been a decent amount of change in the standings since we last recorded. Um, just I think the biggest ones have happened – in the uh, in the east whether it be american league or national league uh mm-hmm. in the i guess the biggest the biggest storyline is out of the national league where uh the last time we recorded the mets were four games in front at uh the top of the national league east uh and the philadelphia phillies were four and a half out they were in third place two games below 500 uh since we last recorded Philadelphia has not lost a game. They've won eight in a row, and now they are two ahead in, at the top of the National League East, uh, really uh, really transforming that division. And not only that, Chris, but they're winning the games that they should – that in theory they should be losing in Philly's fashion. Like on Saturday, they were up 5 to nothing in the ninth inning, and uh, they proceeded to give up back-to-back-to-back home runs to start the inning, and then they got the tying run to the plate. Uh, the Mets did, and the Phillies ended up winning that game. You know, that's a game that the Phillies normally lose. They had a game against the Nationals where I believe they gave up like five or six runs in an inning to blow a to blow a lead. They ended up coming back in the ninth, winning in extras. Like, they're winning the games that, if you know this team, you'd feel like those are the ones they'd lose. And that's probably the biggest part of this win streak. Yeah, uh, that is a lot of it. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty surprising. I, th- I was pretty... I was pretty down on the Phillies before the season started. I I remember in the uh, prediction show, I was saying like, I'm kind of giving up on this team. You know, this is kind of a failed experiment and uh, I don't think this is going to change. And I mean, very interesting to say that in the first year of a Dave Dombrowski tenure, I will say that. Well, it, the thing, and here's the thing is I, I get what my past self was saying because this, this was not a team where like, Dave Dombrowski is going to solve it. It wasn't a, this isn't, a, wasn't a team with a deep farm system. Yeah, you're right. Trade away right. pieces and a lot of financial flex flexibility where you could sign a lot of free agents. You know, they had Dave Dombrowski as the uh, uh, president of baseball operations. I'm pretty sure what is, is what he does. Uh, but all they did in the off season was basically get Jose Alvarado and, and, Archie Bradley, pretty much like when they got they re-signed JT Real Muto. Oh right, yeah, and and uh, DD Gregorius, but um, yeah, I mean, like let's not forget, like what was it eight nine months ago? Like they were telling their fan base that they were essentially bankrupt, 
they couldn't spend any more money. Yeah. It like, uh, you know, 2019, the Phillies, you know, they, they had a huge off season. They were pretty, they were kind of the favorites to uh, win that division. They had a very hot start. And then, you know, that kind of went into a tailspin. And then last year they, did they need to, they needed to go two and six to uh, make the playoffs in their last eight games. They went one and seven. So, you know, hope was kind of down. And then, you know, last time we recorded, they were two games below 500. Now they're leading the division by two games. Yeah, they are. And it's a, I will say like, it is, there is a playoff atmosphere out there in citizens bank park. Uh, like those fans, they realize what's at stake. And I mean, the Mets, they showed up against the Mets this weekend in every facet. Like I watched their bullpen game the Phillies bullpen game. They had the Mets scoreless with two hits until the ninth inning. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> that's very, very surprising that that's that... how, you know, it's clicking on all cylinders. And I mean, Ranger Suarez, you know, credit to him. He has a, I believe a sub one ERA this year. He's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been uh something, something to watch for sure. I'm mm-hmm. looking at trying to look at some, uh, stats since july 31st which was when this winning streak started uh but yeah i mean the the phillies are fourth in weighted runs created plus during the streak they're probably doing very well pitching wise as well they have a 347 uh era i'm trying to look at reliever era i i would guess that their relievers have improved substantially if there's you know, i mean they have to yeah i mean eight shutout innings and then three i mean technically Technically, the, the bullpen only had like five shutout innings because Ranger Suarez went three, but he is a bullpen pitcher who started the game. But, you know, that doesn't count for, for reliever statistics. Right. Um, it is funny because even during even during an eight-game winning streak, they're 21st in a reliever ERA. Yeah, makes sense. They're, they have a 4-1-1 reliever ERA and a 5-7-5 FIP. Odd. But uh, – I've I since mean, in the month of August, they have a four, they have a four, uh, one three ERA with a five nine two FIP. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be the third worst FIP in the in the majors. So interesting. I mean, I guess the uh, field behind them is picking them up, but uh, I mean the offense is doing very well. And uh, but yeah, I mean eight game win streak, pretty big. Uh, I think we should mention the two guys we hinted at Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler just kind of putting the team on their back. Yeah. Uh, If I, I can probably just point out like what Harper's done or what we can probably just point out what Harper's done during the streak, but you know, fan graphs. Yeah. Fan graphs. uh, I hate, I just hate when you're going through different categories and you have to rechange, you have to reset the date every time we've mentioned this before at how annoying it can be Uh, since july 31st yeah and then i'm gonna have to they lost they lost on that day so it's just the month of august oh really okay yeah they lost to the pirates three to two then they won 15 to four and then they haven't lost the game since okay i guess i have so i guess i do have the baseball so i guess i have the standings wrong it might it must be the end of July 31st that I'm looking at on MLB.com. Yeah. All right. So the month of August is when they've won all these games, I guess. Yeah. All right. So uh, 
Bryce Harper during the streak. Bryce Harper hitting 367 with a 1390 OPS. Uh, Gene Segura hitting 346 with an 1182 OPS. JT Real Muto 414 with an 11, uh, 1176 OPS. Reese Hoskins hitting 357 with an 1114 OPS. Uh, Odubel Herrera. He is hurt though. Uh, which one hit Hoskins? Hoskins, yeah. I notice he does have only 15 plate appearances during the mm-hmm. streak. Odubel Herrera is getting back into it, 385 with an 1126 OPS, and Didi Gregorius, 318 with a 1061 OPS. So that's uh, the offense is really clicking. That's what it is. Yeah. And I'm sure. Zach, I mean, Zach Wheeler, like dominant yesterday on the Phillies. The Phillies did an interesting thing where they. They had their, they retired like their, they did like their Phillies Hall of Fame weekend. I don't know if they did anything on Friday, but on uh, Saturday, they, they didn't retire the number, but they put Manny Trio in the Phillies Hall of Fame. And then Sunday, they did it with Roy Halladay. So they didn't even do, they did like the two people on separate days. They didn't do it on the same day like most people do. Yeah. It, I think it, it makes sense. Idea. I think it makes sense because they retired Halladay's number and they didn't do so with Manny Trio. Right. Yeah, it would have been weird to do that. Um, a number of retirement ceremonies have got to happen on their own. Exactly, for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean Zach Wheeler is doing Zach Wheeler is doing what he's done pretty much the whole year. He's kind of flown under the radar in, in a sense uh, because of guys like Degrom and uh, Gossman, but he's been doing his thing. I think he's like leading the league in innings too, or, or close to that. So he's got plenty of uh plenty of workload to go with that i mean uh yeah he's he's just been consistently great and it was highlighted this past weekend he had a two hit shutout with 11 strikeouts uh that was pretty amazing and and yeah i mean i guess that leads to the flip side of what's happening with the mets they've been uh struggling pretty bad i think they've lost what nine nine out of ten or something like that yep uh, so, and some of it is circumstantial. I mean, they've got arguably their two best players on the IL with DeGrom and Lindor, uh, and potentially another guy going on the IL with Baez. If there was an, another, uh, a thing where he came out after a swing, but, uh, Baez has not had an extra base hit since his home run. And also they lost two of their last or eight of their last 10, not nine. Okay. Yeah. Eight of the, well. Eight of their last 10, they've dropped to one game above 500. Um, in the month of in the month of August, as a team, the Mets are slashing uh, 179, 274, 305. Yeah, for be a, OPS uh, below 5, 500. 5, 80, 579. That'd be a 579 OPS as a team. 66 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold off a little bit because – it kind of ties into my slightly alarming that's upcoming. So that's, okay, a little, okay. that's a little tease, but uh, there's a lot going down with the, uh, with the Mets and yeah, specifically their offense. And, you know, it sucks not having your best pitcher who also happens to be the best pitcher in baseball, uh, not on your, uh, not in your rotation going every day, especially when, you know, you're, Taiwan Walker is not expected to be what he was in the first half. That's just not going to happen. That's why he was my slightly alarming last show. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it's just a natural regression there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and yeah, Marcus Stroman has, it was kind of overperforming in the first half. So, uh, but you know, the offense, the offense arguably the whole year has been, you know, either injured or underperforming a combination of both probably, but uh, yeah, it's just, it has not been looking good, but I think I'll get more into that when uh, the slightly alarming the Braves are, the Braves are coming in strong too. Yeah. Braves uh, actually Braves had a funny, funny month of July. I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. They were, there was, there was win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. Yeah. For like 24, 24, 25 games or something like that. They just, they refused to the, the craziest thing that I saw, like they got over 500 for the first time all season this week. That is crazy. Like they have, they started out 0 and 4. They just never got, they got to 500 a bunch of times. They've never gotten over 500. Now they're 57 and 55, two games out of the NL East. Yeah, it's, it's weird watching this Braves team because it, I feel like I'm not even watching the Braves. I feel like no. I'm, yeah, like without Acuna and, you know, I guess Soroka wasn't there last year, but Freed's not really. The what same. he was Anderson's hurt and yeah Anderson's hurt Anderson's uh Dar- Darno's out <laughs> like I don't I feel like I'm watching a, a you know I feel like I'm watching Freddie Freeman and a, a lot of backups and Freddie Freeman has also been like very unlucky this season too yeah like he's, he a, he's a 290 it's, it's evened out a little bit but he's a 294 batting average with a 313 expected batting average and at the same time, he was a 504 slugging with a 569 expected slugging. Uh, he's 89th percentile or, or 87th percentile or better in exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit percentage, X Woba, X batting average, X slugging, and walk rate. Like he's still one of the best players in the game, even though his his actual on the field numbers have shown decline since since 2020. But I mean. You know, I mean, it's 2020, Chris. You know, things are just going to be crazy out there. He was the MVP at a 160-something OPS plus. His OPS was over 1,100. First time in a qualifying season outside of Juan Soto since Bryce Harper in, in 20 – or no, or Christian Yelich actually had Christian Yelich had an 1,100 flat yeah, in 29. But it, was, but it wasn't over 1,100. It was just 1,100. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, Freddie Freeman has a sub 900 OPS, clearly, clearly declining into his contract year. Oh yeah, clearly uh, getting old. I did not appreciate when 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 Kyle was dissing uh, Sean, or uh, Freddie Freeman in our in our segment. He was like, he was like, uh, Freddie Freeman. You know, I liked Sean Casey too. You know, I think he. You know, this uh, that was like, I was very confused with where he was going there. Like he was, yeah. like, you know, like Freddie Freeman. He can't be like that guy that like. You know, you mentioned the, the house that's so-and-so, but, like, it's got to be Acuna. It's not Freeman. It's like, no, it could be Freeman. It absolutely could be Freeman. Yeah, Freeman is, is like, kind of on a Hall of Fame track. I mean, he's – He is absolutely on a Hall of Fame track. It's not even a kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, now I'm thinking, like, how good was Sean Casey? Is he is he insulting? Yeah, Sean Casey had 16.5 war, B-war at least. Uh, Freddie Freeman has – his B war is forty one point two. It's almost better than Harold Baines. Actually, it is better than Harold it Baines. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's almost better than Don Mattingly's. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's almost better than Omar's. 
Oh, yeah. cool. Actually, I well, probably shouldn't mention him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys. I mean, shout out to. I mean, I don't want to do that. Never mind. I don't want to. Yeah. I was gonna say like shout out to us for for not liking him before, but that's not important. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's uh it's entirely separate, but um. Um, yeah, I, like I, I mean, I I do. I hope the victims of that are okay. Yeah, um, I hope they're like I've. He's absolute scum of the earth. That's horrible. That's that's much worse than the initial story, or at least it adds it adds to the initial story and makes it much worse. Yeah, we'll uh stave off that. But if you're uh, we'll save that for if January. If you're curious, go yeah, go read that article on the Athletic. ESPN. ESPN. Oh, ESPN, and uh, and there was a thing on the Athletic, uh, with yeah. um, with yeah, Mr. Viscell, yeah, um, yeah, Freeman, yeah, I I did not appreciate when when Kyle was, you know, poo pooing Freddie Freeman over here. Freddie Freeman is a is a great baseball player. Yeah, he's, he is. He's got an eight ninety three OPS. Sean Casey, meanwhile, eight oh nine, and Sean Casey was doing it in like the most offensive era ever. So uh this is a pretty offensive era too though. It's pretty often yeah. Uh especially like 2015 to 2019. Yeah. Uh for sure. I mean, like I was thinking about this earlier. 2019, like you could make the case that it's like up there with like 1894 and 1930. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, yeah, definitely in terms of like slugging percentage. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it would probably be pretty up there in terms of slugging. I think. Yeah, it was just like 1894. 1894, the league batting average was, I think, like 314. And the, yeah, in, that's in never going to happen again. In 1930, it was like 290 or 296 or something like that. It was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't appreciate that from, from, our, from our pal 2019, Kyle. 2019 and 1894 had the exact same league slugging percentage. Wow. Yep. Wow. But yeah, it's it reminds us that it is necessary to have Kyle on for these segments because you know we, we can't have him be you know slandering the name of Freddie Freeman like that. It, it wasn't really a slander, but it was it was a little backhanded and, and I, I think it was more to do with the fact that he is I feel like he maybe he's likable first back baseman. Half of his career. Ba- oh yeah, back half of this. Like Acuna years. is just getting started. Like Acuna is going to be on the Braves hopefully for the next like ten to fifteen years. Freeman has got, you know, he might have another two months. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree that Acuna is like the face of the like, in terms of what the national oh, yeah. audience is looking at. Uh, I I wouldn't disagree that like Acuna is the face of that. But I would argue I would argue that Charlie Freeman is the face of the Braves. Yeah, you know he's uh I think he's the number six. He's the number six prospect in the Braves system. Yeah, which is crazy because he's only like five years old. Yeah, he's well. It's a thing where, yeah, you know when when you're younger, you're lower in the prospect rank. Yeah. So once he gets to thirteen or fourteen, I think he's going to be taking that number one spot. And that's not even in the Braves system. That's just going to be in Major League Baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be you know in eighth grade number one prospect in baseball mm-hmm. uh but yeah I, I guess we got a little sidetrack there but the braves are just are just weird this year it's just you know jock peterson and eddie rosario just gonna like imagine if they just win the division they very well could uh i was very i was watching so the cardinals and braves were on espn this week and they showed the same graphic on two straight nights 
where it was just the outfielders the Braves acquired at the deadline. <laughs> like it was Jorge Soler, it was Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall. They showed right. the same graphic two nights in a row. I was like, sick, dude. I've never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. Also, in other, in other news, Aaron Judge is very tall. Yeah. Yeah. In other news, Todd Frazier uh, played in the Little League World Series with Tom's River, and he took a pee when he stood on the field with Derek Jeter. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I uh, if I ever interview Todd Frazier, I'm going to lead off with, did you play in the Little League World Series and stand next to Derek Jeter on the, at the World Series? Yeah, and then just pull out the, like, I remember that, and, and he's like, that was in the 1990s. I don't think you were born. No, it was 2001. Oh, it was 2000. Yeah, yeah. I remember that very clearly. Yeah, the Yankees won that World Series, too. What a special moment. <laughs> I mean, up in the up in game seven, they're up 2-1 in the ninth with Mariano Rivera on the hill. I mean, they, they won that game. Yeah, 2001, 100% of uh, Derek Jeter's clutch playoff moments happened in, that, <laughs> in those playoffs. Literally. Two out of all, two. All two of them. <laughs> all two of them. Um, but uh, <laughs> and that's not even that's not even a, a Yankee bashing thing. It's 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 a it's a Derek Jeter thing because yeah. people people like him a little too much. At least but, at least Derek Jeter owns like the team of the future. Yeah, at the, definitely... at the very least, the rotation of the future. I was I was discussing this with someone. If the Marlins are really good in like two to three years. Like, who do you think is going to get more credit between Derek Jeter and Kim Ang? Because it should be Kim Ang. But, um, like, Derek Jeter is also Derek Jeter. Well, it's, it's it's interesting because also, I mean, a lot of these guys were acquired in the, like, Loria era, I, I think. I mean, yeah, Alcantara. Alcantara was a – no, Alcantara. He was acquired in a trade. I forget when. Guy. He was but... a Loria guy. You're right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so like some of the credit will go there, but I'm sure if if the Marlins do end up being successful, it's not going to be with this exact roster. So Kim Ng is going to have to get some credit. She, you know, yeah, she uh, did did pretty well with the with the Marte trade, getting Luzardo. So that's a good sign already. So if she keeps doing moves like that, it, but if they do it with this, if if they were successful now, then it would be like, oh wow, this Loria guy. He was, he <laughs> did a decent No one's going to, no one, no one, I promise you, nobody in the area, at least like in the local media, no one's going to be talking about Jeffrey Loria. Yeah. Like, it, they would like to forget that man as much as possible. Yeah. That'll be interesting. But yeah. I mean, uh, I guess that's all we have on the Braves is they're yeah. kind of just weird. <laughs> they are just weird, but they could win the division. Yeah. They're my world series pick could make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's like um, I don't know what to compare it to. It's like how how uh, in the Olympics right now, a lot of Russia's athletes aren't allowed to compete, but they're under a different flag now, and they're the Russian Olympic Committee. It's like this is the Atlanta Baseball Committee. It's not really the Braves, but you know we we know what's going on. They they have the same logo, mm-hmm. or yeah, they play in the same park with the same fans, but they're yeah. just the same. Yeah, they're just kind of a in a, a different team. They're, they're recognized differently. At least that's how it is in my head. Yeah, that's uh, how that's head as well. So we've we've talked plenty about the National League East. Now we head over to probably the other biggest difference to happen. Uh, not only because of what's happening at the, at the top, but also in like third and fourth plays, it's it's kind of changed. Uh, the American League East, where uh, the 
Rays have, have gained some separation. You know, last time we recorded, they were half a game up on the Red Sox. Now they are four games up, excuse me, on the Red Sox. Also, I think the, the craziest thing is that second and fourth place are separated by three games, while first and second are four games. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, and yeah, since last time we recorded, the Yankees and Blue Jays were seven and eight games out respectively. Now it is, uh, I mean, not to not big of a difference, six and a half and seven games out respectively, but uh, they're a little more involved in the wild card race. But I think, yeah, the Rays have done a good job separating and the Red Sox have not been doing a good job uh, catching up, as we know. Yeah. Um, the Red Sox have dropped, what, two of, or like... I think 10 out of 12. Yeah, 10 out of 12, something like that. Um. I don't know, eleven out of thirteen. They've been they've been struggling. They had a brutal loss yet. They probably had the worst loss of their season yesterday to the Blue Jays. Uh, George Springer hit a three run home run in the eighth to put the Jays up nine to eight. Their offense had been struggling, and the the day that they score eight runs, they lose. So that's kind of how it's been in Boston. Uh oh yeah, uh yeah. I mean, they've been they've been having a tough time trying to count these losses. They lost five in a row and then five out of six six out of seven seven out of eight uh eight out of ten and yeah nine nine out of eleven they've lost uh yeah yeah they've gone two and nine in their last 11 games yeah they their offense was definitely struggling and and yeah now they blew a five-run lead yesterday it's it's definitely very bad. Like uh, I don't know if you wanted to say a little more before the offense. Got... The offense is just is bad right now. Uh, like Xander has been struggling. JD hit homered yesterday, I believe, but he's struggling. Or he he doubled at least. He had some sort of big hit. Um, yeah, uh, virtually everyone in the offense has just been down recently. Um, and. I think Schwarber's due back this week. Sales due back on Saturday. So I think if there's a time for the Red Sox to get out of this, it would be sometime this week, obviously. I mean, the, obviously the sooner the better. You know, we're in August now. The division's very tight with four different teams. So you got to get out of it as soon as possible. But I'd say there's hope for this week. They're playing – obviously Tampa Bay is going to be a tough opponent, but they play Baltimore this weekend. That's a – you know, the AL East right now is basically just like who, who gets the feet off of Baltimore next. Yeah, pretty much. Like the Yankees got to do it last week. The Rays did it this weekend. The Red Sox get to do it next weekend. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Baltimore is uh, back yeah. to back to business. Back yeah, to are. their like 2019 era uh, business. Not quite 2018, but but Adley Rushman's coming to AAA. There we go. He's uh. He's going to be there probably in – he's going to be in the MLB around mid-April. About He'll have about – well, actually, hopefully the CBA changes that because that is upcoming. I sure hope so. Yeah, that'll be – that would be nice. But uh, that's that's another conversation. But, yeah, it, it would have been a lot easier had the Red Sox lost 3-1 to one yesterday and we could be like the offense is just not doing what they uh, have been able to do. And now, now, and now they, they now they may be like 
turning it around offensively and they and they had a terrible loss yesterday and uh yeah. i mean it makes me all i can think of about yesterday is uh the pitch location of that oh my god of that spring well, why did why did out i wasn't watching because i was driving home but why did out get a second inning uh yeah i've like it was a thing like where he, like, he gave up two runs in the seventh he pitched yesterday and they gave him the eighth inning. They were just running out of guys. I think they took out Richards after five. Uh, Sawamura wasn't getting it done. Uh, who else? There were just guys were not. Josh Taylor was not getting it done. I'm pretty sure. What uh, about like Rios? Like I would have taken him over on the mound over over right. the second inning of of Adovino. Right, I'm. Tr- I gotta look at this box score. But... You know, uh, you know, he has like a six ERA ever since he yelled at Shohei Otani. Um, like it's uh, it was directly after that outing he started struggling. Interesting, very interesting. Um, so yeah, Richards goes five, uh, <laughs> five innings, three earned runs. You'll accept that from from Garrett Richards. Sure, why not? By the way, Rios. I just want to say, Yaxel Rios over his last seven appearances, a one eight six ERA. Nice. Yeah, 097 batting average against. He just walked a lot of people. That's what's all. His, uh, what's his BABIP against? It's probably very low. Oh, low. it's 143. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh. So, yeah, it went Richards for five, Taylor for a third of an inning. He gave up a hit and a walk, and he struck someone out. And then Sawamura came in. He gave up, or he walked two batters and ended up finishing off the inning, but he gave up two earned runs. Then yeah, Adovino. I they weren't gonna throw out Whitlock because he. Threw- well, no, that's fair. You don't have to throw out Whitlock, but like there really wasn't like big fudge, Austin Davis. Like I would have taken any. I would literally would have taken anyone over a second inning of Adovino there. Um, yeah, I mean that's a good point. I I wasn't really watching. I wasn't really watching that critically because that also was a drag of a game. It took four hours to finish nine innings, mm-hmm. and uh, the Red Sox were winning for most of it. So it was pretty boring for most of the game but uh yeah i wasn't watching too critically i'm trying to pull up this uh this the the location of this pitch it was bad that that occurred i mean yeah all right i can share it now on the screen go to the youtube channel if you're not uh if you're if you're curious as to how this happened but yeah as we can see bottom of the eighth uh so Pitch number four was a fastball. Uh, in the in the uh, post game press conference, Barnes was saying that he thought Springer was expecting curveball and he was going to throw a fastball uh, up and out, which I I believe would be yeah right right around here if you can see the mouse. Uh, it landed right here, uh, obviously just painting the corner right there, and uh, that's going to be weak contact for sure. No, it was what's uh it was right. Go ahead. If there, yeah, if if you wanted to make a baseball shape of where not to put it, like a one singular baseball, you know how, yeah, Ted Williams had the seventy-seven baseball strike zone. This is the one out of seventy-seven uh, baseball you put, want to put it the least against George Springer. I would think. Mm-hmm. You know what's just absolutely classic: the fact that George Springer homered off Matt Barnes. I mean, can you believe it? They went to UConn together. Yeah, they were 2011 teammates, uh, I believe Big East champions. I mean, you know, 
good, probably old friends, but you know, you hate to see uh, the competitive or you love to see the competitive juices flown against these former teammates. You know, you know, they have good stories about each other. Probably, you know, we've never told you about this before. We didn't tell you about it when they were with the Astros. We never, we've never told you that they went to UConn together. Two first round picks, both out of Connecticut, Matt Barnes out of Danbury or Bethel. I forget George Springer out of New Britain. I mean, just, uh, just a couple of old, old, uh, old, old teammates from the constitution state out there in Connecticut. For the record, we're Red Sox fans. We hear that every single time they face each other. Yeah. Yeah. For every, like, uh, you know, Todd, Todd Frazier out of, um, Tom's River, you get uh, the Nesson version of that is like, yeah, uh, Springer and Barnes, te- uh, teammates out of UConn, both first. That was literally the first thing I thought when Springer signed with the Jays. I was like, oh, he's in division now, so we're going to have to hear that more than twice a year. I'm pretty sure you had that realization on the show, like when we were talking about it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I do remember that. But, but yeah, Springer <laughs> classically, you know, hits a home run off his former college teammate. And uh, yeah, the Red Sox have lost nine out of 11. It was an offense problem for most of it. Uh, But I mean, and then they decided to score seven runs off Ryu. That was a little bittersweet on my end. Yeah, he's two of our favorite pitchers are on the Blue Jays with Robbie Ray and Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah. Uh, Ray did pretty well against the Red Sox lineup. Barrios did pretty well against the Red Sox lineup. What else is there to talk about the Red Sox? We got to get Hauk more innings. We do got to get Hauk. Well, I mean, they've they've been sending him down to AAA after his starts. I don't think that's – I mean, they're still giving him regular start time. I think that's just to free up roster space because they can. I don't don't really put too much stock into being upset about that. But I think going forward, we mentioned this, the rotation has to be – Sale of Valdi, Erod, Hauk, Pavetta. Yeah, yeah, they've uh they've already put Perez in the bullpen. Uh, I think it's inevitable that that's going to happen to Garrett Richards. That experiment is uh not going well. It's coming to the point where like three earned runs in five innings. That's a good that's a good Richards start, but you know it's still a five four ERA on the day. So you know you can't you can't have that when you have you know better guys available uh but yeah how the the past two starts with how they've had him go about four innings and then whitlock goes two, barnes goes one because it's been his the, his last two starts have come in uh seven inning double headers but uh yeah I, I wouldn't mind that happening if they just had him go six and then whitlock goes two and then barnes goes one yep um but he was both our players to both our uh, player to watch pretty much mm-hmm. or yeah so you know he's uh he's someone you you want to have in that rotation as you go towards uh October. So you know he's he's one uh one positive coming out of Boston. Hopefully they can manage him, um give give him a little more freedom to do what he can. Uh so yeah, any anything more on the AL East race? Uh I mean we only talked about the Red Sox like the Yankees. Oh yeah. Uh um. I just want to say this. I'm obviously not a Yankee fan, but I'm speaking from the perspective of Yankee fans here. Oh, I just, okay. I am. I actually just closed the app, but um, stop hitting DJ LeMahieu lead off. He's not a lead off hitter. He doesn't right. need, 
Like, stop with the like the guy. I get, I get the the value in him where he doesn't strike out a lot and he puts the ball in play. But like, that's not the guy you want leading off anymore. Because guess what? Stolen bases aren't that big of part of the game anymore. And DJ who doesn't steal bases anyway. Like, put someone who actually gets on base more and like works a count and takes a walk at leadoff. Like, put. I know that he was. I know that he's got COVID right now. But like, Anthony Rizzo should be leading off for the Yankees moving forward. Right. Yeah. He he did that plenty in in Chicago. John Carlos Stanton has almost this has almost the same batting average as DJ anyway. Right. Stanton is hitting 264. LeMahieu is hitting 266. And Stanton's OPS is 118 points higher. And his OBP is probably much higher as well. It has to be. Yeah, it's got to be. LeMahieu's not someone who who walks a whole t- uh, no. a lot. I mean, shout out to the Yankees also. I mean, after their – I mean, the the – the four, the four nothing, blowing the four nothing lead after the no hitter was a low point, but they've recovered. Yeah. Uh, they've recovered greatly since then. They've, you know, after that they took two out of three from Tampa Bay. Then they went to Miami. They swept them. Uh, then they took two out of three from the Orioles. They and they, they just recently took three out of four against the Mariners. They they just lost the last one, but uh, I mean. That's uh, so seven out of nine, and then ten out of yeah, they've won ten out of thirteen, ten of their last thirteen, and they've put themselves in a very good position. Yeah, they did. Uh, shout out to uh, the, the team for not firing Aaron Boone and putting in Buckshell Walter. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was I said like when the Yankees were at their low points, like they were the unluckiest team in baseball, they had the highest separation between expected statistics and regular statistics as a team like batting average slugging woba like it was all it was all pointing in the direction that the yankees were going to pick it up on offense and breaking news they have it's almost as like the the advanced statistics do predict the future yeah um yeah exactly i was just thinking back to that uh tom scabelli tweet (laughs) just reminded me of that it is very funny but yeah, it's funny because expected statistics don't have even that much to do with exit velocity. No, it's just it. A lot of it actually has to do with your strikeouts and your walks, and then you know your exit velocity on top of that, and the launch angle of it. But it's just the it's just it. All the all the those people have the idea that like exit velocity is like the most looked at statistic among the analytics people. It's like no, that's not true actually. Yeah, like at. Adam Frazier is like has some of the lowest has like one of the lowest exit velocities. He's, he's yeah, do like but his expected uh, woba is still like pretty good. Um, yeah, but I guess that's an aside. But yeah, the Yankees. David Fletcher been... is like a cold hero. Yep, <laughs> and he exactly. has like yeah, like he he never hits the ball above like ninety miles ninety miles an hour. Yeah, and then like, and then you have Stanton who is like. 90 always like 99th percentile and exit velocity but he's he's like you know sometimes he's average sometimes he's a little above average in terms of the expected stats yeah. uh but that's an aside yankees have won 10 of the last 13 the blue jays also uh on you know the opposite spectrum of the red sox especially this weekend blue jays have been turning it up they're 10 games above 500 right now after being 
after kind of just hovering around 500 for most of the season. Uh, I think, I think what's not being talked about a lot is uh, George Springer being in that lineup now. Mm-hmm. I mean, game changer, big time. Game I think changer. he, I believe he leads the majors and wins above replacement in the month of August or in the yeah, month of August. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's like, I mean, one, if you can go back to his last, I think like 21, 22 games, his OPS is around like 1300 since then. Yeah. I, it's been, uh, it's been unreal what he's been able to uh, do with that already great Blue Jays lineup. But I mean, you can see why they acquired him. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, like you said, it. They have, and they obviously like they traded a arm and a leg to get Barrios, but he's been awesome for them as well. Robbie Ray has been cutting down the walks. Ryu is still kind of doing his thing. He has regressed a little bit, but. I mean, he's still very serviceable at the top of that rotation. The Blue Jays are a team that you don't want to run into in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, they okay, so seven out of eight. So they've won. They have won uh, ten out of twelve. Blue Jays have won ten out of twelve. The Yankees have won ten out of thirteen. So yeah, the the Blue Jays, yeah, they're kind of a threat now. I think they're three games back in the wild card. Uh, or actually, let me go back to the standings here. There, the Blue Jays are, yeah, three games back in the wild card. And it's a thing where, you know, they weren't really, they were kind of a dark horse if they were expected to make the playoffs, but they weren't really expected to make the playoffs. But this is a thing where you're very, very optimistic heading into the offseason if, if you're the Blue Jays. Would you say on... Monday, August 9th, that three American League East teams will make the playoffs. Um, on August 9th, will I say this? I don't know. I like on paper, you could definitely say that, but I mean the the A's are just that immovable object to me. Okay. Like they, they've made the playoffs three years in a row. Um, they just keep finding ways. I mean, even you know, we, we kind of talked uh, about how the A's kind of got fleeced in that Marte deal. Marte is doing extremely well for them, uh, as, you know, in, in the short time that he's been there. But, uh, I mean, how far – I don't know how far ahead they are in the um, wild card they are, but they are two and a half. Yeah, two and a half ahead in the wild card. Actually, right now they're tied with the Red Sox for who would have that uh, home game. So no, I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be two ALS two ALEs teams in the um, in the American League. Okay, uh, fair enough. Playoffs. Uh, the Rays are obviously doing their thing too. J, uh, JT Chargeois has been killing it for them, and people were questioning why they got him, and I was like, well, look at his statistics: sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. Only pitcher in the American League with a sub one ERA. Uh, only four and a third innings pitched, but uh, zero earned runs. So that's been pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, would you would you say that uh, there there might be three American League East teams in the playoffs? I'll say it. Yeah, I'll do it. You will say it. All right. Like the the Yank, you know, the Red Sox. I think the Rays. Let, let, let's just say the Rays take the division. I don't know. Like, really, any of those four teams realistically could 
take the division. Let's just say one of those teams take the division. Who's to say that the other teams can't surge and make it a close division enough to where they're all competing for a wild card spot as well? Yeah. Now that you mention it, the Blue Jays are kind of giving me that mid 2010s vibe. Yeah. How they're playing. Yeah. Even without the full crowd, it's uh, it's kind of dangerous how what they have. How many games have they've lost in Toronto? I think it's only like two, right? Um, because they've they've played every game in Toronto since they've gone back. They haven't gone on the road. I think they've only lost two games. Yeah, I mean they they've won their, ten of the last twelve, so it's probably yeah. only one or two losses. Yep. And that yeah, the offense. Everyone knows about the offense, and then when you add Springer, it's just another level. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of scary. Their rotation is very respectable, especially with Barrios in there. I mean, like if if there were a, if there were a hypothetical playoff series with the Blue Jays, I, what are you throwing out? You're throwing out Ray Barrios, then probably Ryu. Yeah, I mean, you know that that's a pretty good three. Even even though Ryu struggled yesterday, I mean, that's a good three. And then uh, what? It'd be like Steven Matz game four. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not the to... wor- you know, it's not great, but it's not the worst thing in the world either. It's much better than you. Ha- it's much better than we had uh, preseason, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, like uh, I mean, the when I looked at the rotation before the season started, it was like Ryu, and and that's all I really had faith in. Now you got two more guys that you can really put faith into exactly but yeah the the blue jays are a bit scary but i'm i'm going to i'm going to keep on with the uh with the a's and how they'll just you know they'll just they'll just uh keep keep floating along they'll float along to like a 94 and 68 record and probably lose in the wild card and that'll be that and yep <laughs> they'll just bore they'll just bore everyone in baseball everyone will wish the blue jays are in that game but the a's will find their way into that uh into okay. that wild card game okay uh, that, that was kind of how it was in 2019 i think everyone everyone wished the wished the indians were in that uh in that wild card game because it would have been a good pitching matchup but nope the a's A's just won 97 games that year. Oh well. Um, but that uh, was the most. I, I I only remember. I think Yandy Diaz homered twice in that game, and that was like the only thing I remember from that wild card game. I remember I remember watching it with you and the rest of the people. But yeah, yeah, I remember uh, we were watching it on the floor, and mm-hmm. uh, our uh, our RA's friend Dom was like, oh, this again? And I was like, this is just the beginning, man. This is just the second day. This is the whole month. Yeah. This is uh, this is what we got going for about 30 days. So <laughs> you're going to be seeing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's about all I got on the AL East. I mean, the Rays, the Rays are still going to be great. The Blue Jays and Yankees are surging. The Red Sox will probably pick it up now that they got sale coming back they got Schwarber coming off the il yeah i wouldn't expect this uh red sox struggle to be too long term 
I think they got a little too and even much like, there. You know, I know that the Red Sox have greatly outperformed their expectations this season, but like, let's not forget, like, the Red Sox didn't come into this year playing for 2021. Like, they had 2022, 2023 beyond very much in mind. Like, you and I both had them as a fourth place team. I had them hovering 500. Like, in, in the hypothetical where they win like 89 games, they miss the playoffs. Like, I don't want to pretend like it was an awful year because they, they collapsed. Yeah. And that's, that'll be very easy to forget from a mm-hmm. Boston perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you can like, tell- if you're like when you take out all the context and you say, if I told you at the beginning of the season, the Red Sox are going to win 89 games and finish in fourth place. Uh, you, you take that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I expected them to be, I expected them to have somewhere between 80 and 84 wins this yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, yeah, they definitely outperformed. But given where they were at, you know, um, like a couple episodes ago when, uh, you know, after they were a game up in the American League East, you know, af- after – you know, after they're up in the AL East at, at around the end of July, I mean, it would it would be for sure disappointing if they missed the playoffs. I mean, I get if you don't win the division, but given the position you're at come end of July, it depends what perspective you look at for sure. It does. Because, um, you know, you don't want to have a, a quote-unquote collapse, but you didn't really expect that much uh, before the season. Uh, I think – do you want to address the Reds a little bit? Not not too much. Should. We should. Uh, they're two and a half games back of the of the Padres for a playoff spot. They've played extremely well recently. Uh, in the month of August, I think it's their offense, right? Because Jesse Winker, he was a slightly alarming of yours, but he's turned it back up. Nick Castellanos just came with the IL. Yeah, they have the they have a one forty five weighted runs created plus in the month of August. Yeah, they've been. Um... Incredible. I actually, yeah, I was looking at them. Yeah, since July 27th, I think their weighted runs created plus is the same at 145. Wow. Uh, and they've got a like a 935 OPS. Um, I was actually going to have them. I was actually going to have the Reds offense as my how about that, but they they only scored three runs yesterday and it dropped their OPS a little more than I would have liked. So I yeah. kept them out. Um. Jonathan yeah. India, Jesse Winker, Mike Moustakas uh, recently came back, and he's been killing it. He is uh, a 257 weighted runs created plus in a total of two games played. There we go. Shogo Akiyama, Kyle Farmer. Votto, obviously. Votto, yeah. Uh, Eugenio Suarez has been picking it up a little bit. He's got a 122 weighted runs created plus in the month of August. Like, yeah. no one's no one's really been bad. That's I mean, gotten like a lot. That's got out of the people getting like a lot of playing time. You look at a guy like Sonny Gray. He's got a two thousand OPS. Notice that I, I didn't want to August. mention it, but you did. Slashing one thousand, one thousand, one thousand, two thousand in two plate appearances. Oh, two that's singles. Actually, that's actually pretty surprising. Like, yeah, what are the I, I assumed it would be one. Yeah. Two singles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Everyone's just been killing it. Uh, yeah. From the Reds' perspective, I mean, they did have a four-game series against the Pirates, uh, but you know, even since you know July 27th, most of those games not against the Pirates. If I just go back here, um, 
I can pull up some numbers, but yeah, since August 27th, uh, Reds offense, yeah, Winkers, uh, 1206 OPS, Joey Votto, 1251, Jonathan India, 1082, uh, Kyle Farmer, 1022. He was a how about that of uh, Nico's, and uh, even like Tucker Barnhart, 879 OPS, uh, since uh, July 27th. I mean, yeah, the they've really turned it up and they're not really a team that was that before the season was really known for their offense. It's kind of their pitching was kind of what brought them to the playoffs last year. I mean, let's not forget how their offense did in the playoffs last year. Right. Yeah. It was what? 22 innings. Uh, Yeah. runs. Uh, Vladimir Gutierrez has been huge for them on the mound in the month of August. He's made two starts. He has a one, three, eight ERA with a three, three, two fifth. Uh, only 2.8 strikeout or walks per nine, uh, 6.92 strikeouts per nine. It's not a lot, but he's been making it work. Tyler Male, uh, Sonny Gray has gotten actually legendary, legendarily unlucky. I will, I'll start with him before I go to Tyler Male. 720 ERA with a 157 FIP over five innings. Oh, man. Yeah, 12 strikeouts per nine, three walks, no home runs, 429 bad against. It's only one game, but, you know, that's what's going to happen. Right, right. Tyler Male, uh, three, four, four, fifth as well. So the, the Reds pitching is beginning to done too. Michael Lorenzen, uh, three and two thirds of shutout baseball in the month of August. He's been coming back. Luis Castillo, same thing. Uh, it's been exciting to watch in Cincinnati, and I mean, we could legitimately be talking about a playoff push for them. Yeah, uh, it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm I'm looking at their uh, their schedule on Baseball Reference. They were. You know, May 29th, they were 22 and 28. So that means they've gone, uh, they've gone 39 and I think 23 in their last 62 games, if I'm doing awesome. my math correctly. Uh, what what date do you say it was? Uh, May 29th was when, so since May 30th, they've, they've been 39 right. and 23. Let me sure. pull up some numbers. Um, I, I would get like, there has been a, he hasn't been a, a how about that, but a guy who's had a comeback is Luis Castillo. Like he was really struggling um, in the first two months and he's turned it around. And I think his luck has turned around as well. He was definitely an unlucky, uh, mm-hmm. unlucky pitcher. So listen to this, Chris, uh, since May 30th, like you mentioned, the Milwaukee Brewers have the best record in major league baseball with a 39 and 21. Uh, the, the, the Giants have the exact same record, so they're tied for that. The Reds are one game behind that, 39-23. And 20, and so they're, yeah. tied for, they're, they're tied for the second-best record in the National League since then, uh, which is very impressive. Yeah, it is. Very impressive. Padres, at the same time, the Padres are 30-30 and 30 since May 30th. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the uh, – the, the standings haven't changed too much with the Reds in terms of like last time we recorded, they were four back in the wild card race. Now they are uh, two and a half back in the wild card race, but they are like, they're kind of a dark horse team that you kind of have to keep. You, have, you kind of have to keep uh, them on your minds if you're like the Padres. Yeah. Um, I know the Padres have played all their games against the Reds this season. So there's not going to be any matchups that are going to change fate or anything. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to get into um, 
our players to highlight? Let's do it. All right. We've we've this has been a good tangent based episode. Uh it's been it's gone pretty well. Um for sure. It's been a been a while, so we've had a lot to talk about. Uh all right, so now for our Monday, August 9th, 2021 edition of who do you got for us today? So I'm looking at a guy on a team that hasn't gotten a lot of love this season. They just have been underperforming greatly. Uh, Jorge Polanco from the Minnesota Twins. He's been hitting really well for the last month. Uh, since July 10th, Jorge Polanco is slashing 347, 396, 704 with an 1100 OPS. His 198 weighted runs created plus over that time leads the American League and his 704 slugging percentage is third in the majors. Seven, also since July 10th, he has 45 batted balls hit at least 90 miles an hour, which is tied for the 10th most in Major League Baseball. And he also, I know this is, this is kind of a lost season for the Twins, so, you know, the games don't matter in situation, you know, high leverage situations don't really mean as much, but Polanco has 13 plate appearances in high leverage situ- situations since July 10th. And he is slashing 462, 462, 1385 for an OPS of 1846. His slugging percentage leads the 102 players who have eight of such plate appearances. And his 399 weighted runs created plus ranks fourth. So that is Jorge Polanco, who's been killing it lately. Jorge Polanco. How about that? <clears throat> 1846. I think that was the year after... Uh after baseball was invented by alex cartwright according to some it was definitely folks, like well it was slightly before the civil war yeah it was uh yeah it was about 15 15 years prior yeah so people were were calmly just playing some baseball uh on with the uh new york knickerbockers uh if you're if you're familiar yep that's that's one story the other story is abner Doubleday in 1839 um who knows who knows you know if we had if we had our time machine that would be a a good place to go back to um actually there was that uh another tangent there there was this uh series where a guy this kid went back in time uh to meet like old baseball players uh using baseball cards and one of the times it was he went back to see uh abner doubleday Oh, I think it was the Dan. It was, I, for, I think it was Dan Gutman had this uh had this series, but that's an aside. Good, good kids books. Um, off topic. I I hate to I hate to switch from Abner Doubleday to this, but like you saw that incident that took place in Colorado yesterday, right? Um, with Lewis Brinson. Uh oh, I saw the apology. Yeah. Oh, anyway, there was a fan who was yelling a racial slur at lewis brinson from the crowd that unfortunately picked up really loudly but um john Heyman has a tweet uh it sounds like the fellow in denver may have been yelling dinger not what the folks originally heard but at least to many who listen mlb has been looking into it so far no one nearby said they heard a racial slur so this might actually be positive news chris i don't know if you've seen the video he does not say dinger at all it's not even close yeah, I haven't seen the video. I, I don't know. I don't know what John Heyman is talking about here. I really don't. Like, yeah. Oh my god. 
All right, I'm going to screen share this uh, baseball card series here uh, for the YouTube viewers. All right, we've got Dan Gutman's uh, baseball books here. You can go back. You can. The first one is Hannes and Me. That's the first one in the series. And I think, I don't know if this is. Oh, I've read some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got, um, you got Abner and Me. I remember that one. And uh, in the book, uh, in the book, the kid goes back and uh, he like rubs yeah. his baseball cards and it takes him back in time, right? Yep, that's exactly what happens. He yeah. goes back in time to meet Abner, and uh, he learns that the that he when he talks to Abner, he's like Abner Double Day is like baseball. What's that? So the, the basically the author is like, this is a myth. It was really it was not Abner Double Day who invented baseball. Um, yeah, good. Uh, you know, if there's anyone with kids or if there are any children listening, uh, fully recommend that. I, I read those books when I was like 11, so uh, fully recommend that. So, uh, Dan Gutman, How about that? so he uh, he gets a shout out, some quality, quality uh, kids' baseball books, but uh, enjoyable, very enjoyable. So, now for my how about that. The Rockies offense has just been uh, doing very well. I mean, you would, you would expect them to do well given their ballpark, but even like park adjusted wise, extremely well uh, in the last 12 games, they're eight and four and they are hitting 313 with a 960 OPS and a 141 weighted runs created plus uh, this is well, they're playing only half these games at, at Coors field. So this is kind of a normal uh, split for them. And in this span, in their last 12 games, they lead the league in hits, runs, home runs, and all these slash line categories. And they are also second in weighted runs, runs created plus behind the aforementioned uh, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, in this span also, uh, breaking down in individually, Sam Hilliard is hitting 351 with a 1252 OPS and a 209 weighted runs created plus and 41 plate appearances. Trevor Story, despite being very upset that he is still on this team, he is hitting 381 with a 1220 OPS and 206 weighted runs created plus and 48 plate appearances in these last 12 games. Uh, Connor Joe is hitting 412 with a 1227 OPS and 204 weighted runs created plus in 37 plate appearances. Elias Diaz, who was one of your how about that's, is hitting. 324 with an 1159 OPS and 186 weighted runs created plus in 38 play appearances in these 12 games. CJ Crone uh, also doing very well, hitting 333 with an 1148 OPS and 100, uh, 186 weighted runs created plus in 38 play appearances. Uh, Brendan Rogers hitting 370 with a 1072 OPS and 171 weighted runs created plus in 50 play appearances. And lastly, Ryan McMahon, who uh, also a how about that uh, very early in the season, he is hitting at 308 with a 976 OPS and 150 weighted runs created plus in 48 plate appearances in these 12 games. So uh, the Rockies offense killing it. Also, Hilliard, uh, Story, Diaz, and Croner, all top 20 in Major League Baseball in weighted runs created plus uh, in this span. So, you know, the Rockies... You know, we've, we've kind of uh, been poo-pooing the Rockies for a while as they deserve to be poo-pooed, at least upper management, not the players. But the players have been uh, 
especially on the offensive side. Last couple of weeks have been uh, really killing it. So got to shout them out for the positives uh, for once with the Rockies. So the Rockies offense. How about that? Um, so now we go from the highs Very to nice lows. Uh, what do you got? I'm staying in the AL Central. I'm uh, looking at someone who came off the injured list about a month ago, and he hasn't been the same since. Uh, ever since he came off the IL on July 8th, Zach Plezak has a 6.16 earned run average, uh, but he's 2-1, so he's actually been really good. <laughs> so he's given up 48 hard-hit balls in this time, which is tied for the second most in the majors. And over the course of this year, he's lost the ability to strike people out. His strikeout rate is down 12.1% from 2020, which is the eighth largest decline among the 242 qualifiers. So I don't know if he's still injured or not, but Chris, you mentioned – you know, the, your, the Cleveland pitching was a slightly alarming of yours beforehand, but that was before Zach Plesek was back from injury. He's back from injury now, and he's still uh, struggling. So Zach Plesek is my slightly alarming. Zach Plesek. Slightly alarming. Also, I didn't introduce it, but the August 9th, 2021 edition of. Slightly alarming. Uh, yeah. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, two and one, though, so. He's great. He's going out there and winning the games. Yeah, I mean, they they need it for sure. Uh, I also love how the AL Central is shaping up to have four below five hundred teams. That's yep. just I love that. Uh, all right, the my uh, my slightly alarming. We kind of dug into this a little bit, in a way, but. You know, I did a subject for how about that. I'm also doing a subject for slightly alarming. Uh, I'm talking about the Mets offense. Uh, they in their last 15 games, they are hitting 212 with a 627 OPS. Also in the span, they are 26th in average on base percentage and OPS, and they are 28th in slugging. And the only teams behind them in average on base percentage and OPS in their last 15 games are the Diamondbacks, Pirates, Rangers, and Royals. Uh, obviously, none of them are contending. And individually, Kevin Pillar hitting 120 with a 274 OPS and 26 plate appearances. Uh, Tomas Nito hitting 143 with a 325 OPS and 22 plate appearances. Uh, James McCann hitting 176 with a 494 OPS and 35 plate appearances. J.D. Davis hitting 125 with a 451 OPS and a 36.8% strikeout rate in 38 plate appearances. Uh, very bad there. Uh, Pete Alonzo, I, you know, a little disclaimer for Pete Alonzo. He's been getting a little unlucky, but he's hitting 132 with a 534 OPS in 63 plate appearances. Dominic Smith hitting 267 with a 589 OPS in 50 plate appearances. Michael Conforto, who uh, is the first member of the Frozone, also getting mentioned here. He's hitting. Gee, Jesus Christ, he can't get out of this segment. He is hitting 186 with a 626 OPS and 50 plate appearances. And the Brandon third Nimmo, time we've mentioned him this season in this segment. <laughs> yeah, it's been bad. And uh, Brandon Nimmo hitting 216 with a 653 OPS in 47 plate appearances. So the Mets. Uh, 
they've had a, a lot of problems. So, and as I've mentioned before, some of it is circumstantial. Uh, some of their players are injured. Jeff McNeil has been kind of in and out the whole year. Francisco Lindor currently on the IL. Uh, Javier Baez uh, just got injured recently, but he was kind of struggling anyway. And, uh, but yeah, the Mets offense. Slightly alarming. So uh, that does it for players to highlight for, or subjects to highlight, at least on my end, uh, players to subjects to highlight for good and bad reasons. So, yeah. We got, uh, we got one more, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it is the first show of the month, which means it is time to hand out the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. Carlos Santana, if you don't know, slashed 199, 349, 350 in, in all of 2020. It was quite the legendary slash line so every month i am honoring a player who walks a lot but doesn't hit very well uh during the duration of that month and what better recipient of this award than the guy who literally replaced carlos santana i'm talking about my cleveland guardians player to watch bobby bradley who had himself a month in july where he slashed 143 313 317 for an ops of 630 he had a 13 per 0.8% walk rate, uh, and he is my August or July Carlos Santana of the Month Award. He joins a list with uh, Ian Happ, Yasmani Grandal, and Abraham Almonte. There we go. Uh, a beautiful class. All, all left-handed hitters, at least. Yes. In some way. Yasmani Grandal switch hitter. There we go. Shout out to... Uh... These gentle, these uh, couple gentlemen, uh, yeah. So yes, that's the second member of the American League Central to really solidify the Carlos Santana-ness of of uh, all that. Yeah. Um. So huge congrats to Bobby Bradley. Uh, now we get into a preview of the week ahead. I usually go series, you know, talk about series to watch. You know, good series matchup uh daniel talks about the day-by-day pitching matchups uh really the only series i have to recommend or actually eh, there's a couple series uh i'll start with the one i'm a little less enthusiastic about but something that's worth watching is uh braves reds braves reds is uh you know the braves are definitely not out of the nl east race as we've talked about they're two games out and the Reds are two and a half out of the wild card. I think they're five out in the division. So uh, I wouldn't expect them to kind of catch up there. Uh, to, uh, on Tuesday, you have Drew Smiley versus Sonny Gray. Wednesday, Wednesday you have uh, Tuki Toussaint versus Wade Miley. Wade Miley has been doing very well this year, uh, at least on the field numbers. And then Thursday, you got uh, Muller versus Gutierrez. I don't know the first name, first names of those two. Kyle, Kyle Muller, and then Kyle and Vladimir Gutierrez. Oh yeah, Vladimir. Oh yeah, you mentioned Gutierrez. Before. I do. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a, a decent matchup. Two the two other teams. the other Vladimir G in the league. Yeah, yeah, funny. Uh, but yeah, two teams that are trending in the right direction who might try to sneak into a playoff spot, but honestly, probably end up won't uh, probably won't end up doing that. But the series you got to watch if you're uh, if you're a baseball fan 
is uh, Phillies Dodgers at Citizens Bank Park. You got, uh, I think the Phillies are probably the hottest team in baseball right now, and then the Dodgers are uh, the, the Dodgers are the uh, best team best team on paper in baseball. Not the best team in baseball, but best team on paper. Uh, and the Phillies are going to be challenged uh, greatly. Tuesday night, you have a, a pretty good pitching matchup. <laughs> it's the battle of the 2018 Cy Young uh, behind DeGrom. Then uh, Wednesday, you have uh, an interesting matchup. It's going to be Kyle Gibson against uh, David Price, who's going to pitch two or three innings. He's more used as an uh, opener there. And then on Thursday, you have uh tbd versus tbd so it's going to be a three-game series it's going to be a test for the phillies so that's going to be your uh your series to watch this week what do you got for day-by-day matchups sure so i'm looking at you got a lot of good not a lot of games tonight but he's still got a lot of good arms on the mound luis castillo going for the reds against the guardians freddie peralta going for the brewers jameson tyon going for the yankees lucas giolito going for the white Sox. And then the matchup of the night comes at 10, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Zach Thompson of the Marlins versus Joe Musgrove of the Padres. That'll be a good one. And then on Tuesday, you have um, you have Sergio versus Nola, of course, like you mentioned. They've faced each other a lot, and uh, they're, they're going to keep doing so. Sean Manaya going for the A's. Sonny Gray going for the Reds. You have Carlos Carrasco going for the Mets. You have John Gray going for the Rockies. You have Nestor Cortez going for the Yankees. He's been excellent. Um, you also have Dallas Keuchel going for the White Sox. Alex Wood going for the Giants. Logan Gilbert going for the Mariners. Match of the day, I'd say, is just Serge Nola, like Chris mentioned earlier. And then on Wednesday, uh, you have Lance Lynn going in game, going for the uh, White Sox. You have Sandy Alcantara going for the Marlins. Tarek Skubal and his great strikeout numbers going against the Orioles in a really good series there. <laughs> you have uh, Wade Miley going, like Chris mentioned. Uh, I'd say the matchup of the day is also one that Chris mentioned in David Price versus Kyle Gibson, even if uh, Kyle Gibson or if David Price isn't going to go that long into the outing. Yep. Uh, all right. So that does it for. Uh... This uh, this episode of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoy this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to view uh, where that George Springer pitch or that uh, Matt Barnes pitch to George Springer was, uh, or if you want to observe the Dan Gutman uh, baseball book series uh, that was displayed on the screen sharing capabilities that we have. Go to your YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, uh, if you're if uh, you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where we are going to be talking all the happenings in baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.